Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mastering Risk Management Podcast. I'm Anthony Wilson, and you're tuned in to another podcast chat with Brett Palmer. Hi, Anthony. Thank you. Good to be back. Excellent. Well, today we continue to explore some of the issues around risk management, some of the things you should be thinking about in your own risk management program or function. And today we're going to talk about one that comes up quite a lot, surprisingly a lot, when we work with organisations or even when we're interacting with organisations that we're not working with. There seems to be this question about who should the risk function report to? Right. On what should the risk function look like? How many people should there be? Do we need a chief risk officer? All that sort of stuff. So we're just going to explore some of those concepts with you today. And, you know, probably just a flag first up, there is no one size fits all, like everything with risk management. It has to be bespoke to your organisation. So where do we start, Brett? How do you want to kick this chat off? So it's a very interesting subject, Anthony, and one that I've had had to deal with on multiple occasions. There have been times as an employee in a risk role, I felt that I have not been reporting to the right person in the organisation. And also, obviously, as a consultant, it's important that we get the right level of engagement and we structure it correctly to go forward. But you're fundamentally right. Mm. It will depend entirely on where the organisation is at with its uh, with its risk management journey. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I, I guess... You are, you have to ask the question as a starting point. Well, what do we do to understand where it's at in yeah. its risk management journey? Yeah, yeah, and that in our case is we typically start with our risk maturity survey, which everybody probably just rolled their eyes and and sort oh, of thought, "Oh my survey. god, another yeah. survey." But we like to think our survey is a little different than most. It is a broad survey across not just management and the executive, but across as many of the team wholly that we can get to. So if you're a you know 2,000 person organisation, we're not suggesting all 2,000, but we're suggesting a good mix right across all the functions and all levels to give us a really good insight into the maturity of risk in your organisation. And that's a very simple thing to do. And now, you know, people will say, oh, it's hundreds of questions. No, it's not. You know, we'll, we'll typically do a survey of around 30 questions. It will t- typically take a commitment of around about 10 minutes or thereabouts for someone to fill it out. So that's where we start. So Brett, let's assume we've gone and done the risk maturity survey. We've now got a stake in the ground. How's that going to help us going forward? What do we do next? Thanks, Anthony. And I should just add that we will talk about risk maturity survey and what it leads to, the roadmap, for example, in in one of the future chats, because I think it's important that we do provide a little bit more information about how that works. So what are we looking for? Okay, so let's assume that we've got an organisation that's come to you and they're coming off a very low. The survey has shown that they're very immature and they've got a strong desire to achieve an improvement. Yep. So what's the most critical thing that they need at that stage? Mm. And it's probably change management skills. Yeah. So I think it's very important for organisations to understand that not all risk managers are created equal. Mm. Experience of developing and implementing a framework is very, very different to the experience of administering and managing a framework that's already in place. Absolutely. Yeah. There's two completely different skill sets. And and I'd have to say, there aren't a lot of risk managers out there that have got both. Yeah. And certainly those that do may not have both at 
the appropriate level within an organisational yeah, structure. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's very important to understand where the organisation is at. So a few things. Where should it report? Mm. <laughs> where, should, where it should report if you're building a risk management framework from a low base probably is determined by who within the organisation is leading the charge on yeah. the change. Yeah. So I fundamentally think that there are some positions that are better than others at understanding and taking stewardship for risk management, but then they may not necessarily align with the people in the organisation that can influence the required change. Yeah. So as a general rule, risk management roles seem to land with one of a few different positions within the organisational structure. Yep. So, and, and would you like to fill in the gaps on who they are? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's usually someone in the C-suite, thank goodness, and if it's mm-hmm. not someone in the C-suite, then something's probably wrong anyway. Yeah, it you, really should you're be. Too far down the too far down the pecking order to have any real influence, so that's probably the first point. We've seen a bit of a mix of people that the risk role reports into. Chief financial officers... Frequently. ...has been fairly frequent. General counsels has been another one that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Rarely CEOs, even though some of us as purists think that the chief risk it's, role should report into the it's CEO. where it should be. But yeah. It's a question of whether or not you're going to get the drive of change Absolutely. that you need. Absolutely. So as Brett said earlier, whichever role it goes into, the person really needs to be an advocate and a change manager, right? They need to be the ones that are helping the organisation transform. If, if you've done your risk management survey and you're at a relatively high or, you know, mature level, then chances are it could be someone who's not that change agent. It's a, a bit more of the same, as it were. But if you need to make some significant changes and transform, then you need that change agent as the executive sponsor of the, of the effort. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's talk about perhaps the strengths and weaknesses of a couple of those. Mm. One of the one of the potential problems with a risk management framework is putting too much emphasis on the dollars. Mm. So when you analyse your risks, you should be analysing your risks across multiple consequence categories. Absolutely. And your rating overall should be driven by whichever is the highest of those, taking into consideration probability, etc. Yep. So one of the problems you have when you report to a chief financial officer is that potentially all eyes go straight to the dollars column. Yeah. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And in some cases, we've actually seen frameworks developed where the dollars are considered after the risk rating is determined. Yeah. Now, that may or may not be the right approach for an organisation. I think for most organisations, it's not the right approach. Mm. But it does highlight the importance of making sure you're not just focusing on the dollars. For example, reputation consequence is more often than not significantly higher than the financial consequence. Yeah. 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 So we want to make sure that we don't just drill down on that dollars figure. Now, yeah. I'd have to say over my, my risk management career, some of the best people I've reported to have been CFOs and equally some of the worst people that I've reported to have been CFOs. Yeah. Yeah. So if a CFO is basically just very, very focused on financial reporting and the normal accounting practices of the organisation, wrong person. Yeah. 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 But if you have a thinking, strategic, really highly engaged C-suite professional that uh, occupies the role of CFO, then you're probably going to get a pretty good outcome. 
Yeah, I agree. And and nowadays, with all of the things that are happening in the world and the things that organisations have to deal with, and as we know in the risk space, risks don't come at you one at a time and say, hey, it's my turn to be a problem for you, <laughs> organisation. Risks come at you thick and fast. And the Chief Financial Officer, with that right approach is actually like a transformation officer. They've got so much going on, you know, climate change. You mentioned that in one of our past discussions. You know, that's something that the chief financial officer can help the organisation navigate through because it is both threat and opportunity. Yeah, and that may just, Anthony, be a matter of directing traffic and ensuring that people are actually on site in the process, in the initial stages of your risk management journey. Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen, as you've said, chief financial officers who are absolute champions and really do drive the risk management practice. And we've seen others that, as you say, it's all about the dollars and cents. And whilst, yes, organisations exist to make money, we get that, but there's many more dimensions to risk than just the the straight dollars. I totally agree with that. I think one of the other things that needs to be considered is, is how they actually resource the risk management function. I think the experience shows us here that there's significant potential for organisations to achieve false economy. They think that they're saving money by not engaging. They'll do it themselves in-house, but they don't have the experience, the maturity to actually make it happen. Yeah. And what we actually see is that it tends to drag out the process of establishing the framework, rolling out the framework, yeah. analysing the risks, yeah. understanding, you know, making sure that the controls are effective. All that sort of stuff just tends to just drag out and you know what should be a relatively straightforward maybe 12 to 18 month process can actually still be going after three years yeah you know? and, and that's that's really false economy you want to get into it yeah you're committing to do it you want to get into it and get it happening and achieve a level of maturity yep. so you've got to ask the question how are we going to do this do we need to bring in a risk resource do we need a risk manager do we need a chief risk officer? Does somebody on our existing team be capable of stepping up and filling the role? Is it something we give to the compliance manager? Is it something that goes to the health and safety manager? Yeah. Well, we all know that there is a lot of confusion out there between what is risk management and what is health and safety management. So that's quite often a problem. Yeah. So organisations need to think about what is the optimal way to manage this, this risk management journey that they have to take. And again... What they do during the journey may not necessarily be the same as what they need to do once they've actually got the framework embedded and in place. Yeah, that's a really good point. The the 12 months, 18 months, two years is really critical for getting all of the disciplines, all the tools, all of the processes embedded into the organisation and set in day-to-day decision-making. Once that's done, that change management piece along with the risk management experience, you can then start to say, hey, this is now business as usual and someone can potentially be recruited, brought on board and take on that day-to-day running of the organisation's risk program. Whereas getting it set up from the start, as you say, it's a fairly rare combination of skills to have good risk management experience and good change management experience. So it begs the question also, Anthony, of, of, well, if we are going to get a resource, what resource do we need? And I'm not sure what your view on this would be, but my view is that most organisations do not need a chief risk officer. 
They obviously need somebody to lead the risk management function. That's not a problem. Mm. But do most organisations need the depth of experience that you get out of getting a chief risk officer? Probably not. Mm. So I think it's a good idea to, to make sure that you're considering your future resource requirements. But perhaps in the early stages, something that we can bring to the table can be more economic, deliver better value, which is a co-sourced risk management capability. Mm. Now, at the risk of sounding like a blatant marketing pitch, we have found that this is a very, very good way for us to help an organisation achieve that level at which they can then take the responsibility with their own internal resource, whatever that may be. Yeah. So we'll provide them with the structure, we'll provide them with a framework, we'll help them roll it out and embed it and get it in place. We'll actually even sit on the uh, the audit and risk committee or the executive risk committee to help them with that, to provide that professional level of input and guidance to keep the process going. Mm. So it increases the overall probability of successfully delivering what we identify as is the journey in the risk management roadmap. Yeah, absolutely. And that um, that transitionary period, let's call it, of that 18 months, two years, whatever that takes, is a really accelerated learning program for the organisation. And they reap the reward. I think you said false economy earlier, you know. Yep, there's a cost for having that that resource on board. But in doing that, you get the grey hair, you get the experience, you get the battle-scarred veterans of risk management to come in and help accelerate the organisation's uptake. So what could take five or six or seven years if you try to do it yourself, you can do that in 18 months or two years' time and end up with a really robust robust risk management program that is contributing to the achievement of objectives. So that's the upside of that. Just I think one other comment I'll just make on that is that there is a responsibility here on the board. So Hmm. management may feel that they don't want to engage the additional resource. And you know what? That might come down to an economic imperative. Hmm. Maybe they they can't Hmm. or maybe they feel they have to. Hmm. But at the end of the day, the board has got to understand what are the things that they can see, that they can really measure, that give them the confidence that the organisation is on track yeah. in its risk management journey. Yeah. So if the board isn't actually deeply interrogating the information they're provided to monitor the, pro- the progress, then I think there's a real chance here that they'll miss the key issues and the progress won't be achieved. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Just to circle back, we spoke about the chief financial officer. We didn't talk about anyone else. So the general counsel, the, the person that the risk role reports to? General counsel in most organisations is, is in the right level. They're in the mm. C-suite. They're mm. in, in a position to be able to influence change. I think general counsel is, is probably one of the better options. Yep. Is one of the better options to make sure that you've got that that stakeholder commitment that you're looking for. Yep. The risk that you run, sorry about the pun, mm-hmm. the risk that you run with the general counsel is that uh, general counsels do tend to be looking for ways to transfer risk. Mm. Uh, and in some ways, in some risks, transferring risk is not what you want. If you understand the risk, you might be looking to embrace the risk. Where a general counsel can add really good value is in negotiation of contracts for all sorts of different underlying reasons, where understanding the risks can actually bring the the commercial benefits to the fore and give you some advantage in those negotiation processes. That's an area where general counsel can excel in providing value. But as a general rule, I would think that a general counsel is, is probably a better fit than some other for that risk management journey that needs to be undertaken. Yeah. We did, we did touch on the fact that the CEO is probably the right role 
Mm. I do believe that the CEO is the right role for the risk function to report to, mm. but it just might not be the right role, right a role to report to during the journey. Yeah, and for that organisation. Just before we talk about the CEO, just on the general counsel, they generally have a, of either connection with or responsibility directly for compliance in the organisation. And if you start having people in the organisation confusing the risk function with the compliance function, you will potentially have an issue and that, that can cause a bit of drama down the track when you want to talk to somebody about risk and they're thinking, you know, you've got your compliance hat on, that's going to make it a bit, a bit challenging. So let's have a bit of a think about then the CEO. So we talked, Brett, about the CEO, and I agree, ideal world, yes, you'd have the chief risk officer or the head of risk or general manager of risk, whatever the person's title is, report to the CEO. Upside, great visibility, gets, you know, a lot of attention, and, and you're at right, at, right at the top. Turn at the top. You're right at, right at the front of the, of the queue. Downside is normally the CEO's got that much stuff on his plate or her plate mm. that it can get lost a little bit in the noise. And unfortunately, you know, with all the best intent, the CEO can actually do a bit of a disservice to risk if they don't have the, the capacity and the horsepower to get it to where it needs to be. So like every one of the roles we've talked about, there is an upside and a downside. We've heard of chief strategy officers having responsibility for risk, chief transformation officers having responsibility for risk. So it, it's about having the right executive sponsor that can help with the transformation, help manage the change, help be the champion and be the voice uh, of risk at that executive level. I think that's the key thing. I do agree with that. There's also the one other thing, which is, of course, what is the relationship between the risk resource and the governance? So what's the connection with the board, with mm. the Audit and Risk Management Committee? Mm. Yeah, so do you have a direct relationship with the chairman of the board or is that through another member of the C-suite? Yeah. So well, that can be a big driver of, of mm. how it actually works in practice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good point. Well, listen, we've spent a fair bit of time on this one. I hope that's given you some insight, some food for thought in terms of how risk reports. You may be a C-suite member contemplating how you get the best in your organisation. You may be a director just reflecting on how the setup is at, at, in your boards. You may be a risk manager of some description, chief risk officer, general manager, and wondering how your reporting line either accelerates or inhibits what you're doing in the risk management space. So hopefully some food for thought. So thanks, Brett, again. Thanks, Anthony. Great to chat. And we will be back to talk to you some more soon. Keep those ideas coming. Contact us at www.abmrisk.com.au and we will talk again soon. Cheers. Cheers.